has been the Daily Sports Report. Good night and go blue. Listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. And welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. Get your popcorn equipment ready, folks. Uh, I'm Jim Dwyer. Popcorn equipment indeed. Well, I just got back from my hometown, Athens, Ohio. Went down to check on the parents and saw part of the Athens Film Fest. Just a brief comment. If you like the Ann Arbor Film Festival, you'll love this uh, Athens Film Fest. It's uh, kind of similar in terms of what it shows. It's about documentaries, uh, animation, animated graphic novels. They had a number of those this year. And uh, a little less experimental than, uh, than, than Ann Arbor, but plenty interesting. So uh, some year, if you have a chance... Head down to Athens, Ohio for the film festival. This weekend we were lucky to have some interesting weather that also corresponded with Palmer Fest. So if you want to see 4,000 students drinking on the streets, acting like idiots, <laughs> Palmer Fest is your, your event. Well, you can see that in Lansing too, though. Yes. <laughs> times a year. Don't have to travel quite as far. Quite so far. But uh, how far is Donald Trump going to travel? We don't know, but uh, let's give him a quick brain damage award just simply for characterizing uh, the activity of the uh, 2nd District Court in uh, New York, calling it a break-in of, of his lawyer, Michael Cohen. Well, and even beyond that, he actually said this is an attack on our country. Yeah. Twas not a break-in. It pure Louis the Fourteenth type of yeah. I am the state nonsense right there. Not only not was it not only was it not a break-in. It was not even a third-rate burglary. It was actually a legally executed warrant as part of the justice system by duly accredited representatives of the legal system. Yeah, all the way up the ladder. And they're not even connected. Uh, Mueller, by the way, these this is the New York. Uh, district court that's looking into uh, a variety of issues, uh, including, at this point, Donald Trump's uh, financial dealings with oligarchs and that sort of thing. Well, the story of the break-in, uh, so-called, 
the raid. The raid. Which is what it is. It became. It went. Trump said it was a break, and then the media called it a raid. They had warrants. <laughs> um, <clears throat> that story was breaking just as I was coming down. Uh, that story was breaking just as I was uh, coming down to do the show last week. So it was like, oh, well, and there you have it. Uh, no shortage of things to talk about tonight. No other further references to Watergate are allowed. <laughs> well, <laughs> and yet, uh, once it emerged a day or so later that recordings were confiscated, computers, sure. recording devices, uh, I think, Lordy, there will be tapes. Lordy, I hope there are tapes. To quote and paraphrase Jim Jim Comey, who's uh, on a book interview tour this week, and of course uh, Trump helped him right along by uh, calling him a slime ball and a liar. Oh my, that really hurts. I mean, ouch. <laughs> Give me a break. Well, I mean, we've all seen the pot call the kettle black before, but <laughs> this takes it to a new level. Um, I do question the timing of Comey's book tour. Well, it's I'm not sure it's I understand that. Um, I think that there's obviously a lot of uh, damning details in his book, and that's a whole topic for for conversation. Uh, as you know, he's been interviewed. He's going to continue the publicity campaign for it. Um, so the timing is a little weird on it, but I think he's certainly a reputable figure. Um, and when the sending the National Guard to the Mexican border doesn't work to create distractions, oh, just fire a few missiles at Syria. <laughs> That'll always work. Uh, as for the general uh, thrust of where things are going, I think that it's fascinating that on the uh, 8th of March, 7th of March, uh, Rents Priebus uh, testified about his interview with the special counsel and what leaked out was Trump was asking witnesses, quote, if they had been nice. Now, that starts getting into the realm of obstruction of justice, and I think that's where we're at with this thing. The walls are not being built on the Rio Grande. They are being built around Donald Trump, and they are slowly... It's Samson and Delilah. <laughs> well, visited the, sort of. At this point, it's collapsing in on him. It's like M, where you've got the uh, the, the duly accredited representatives of the laws, Sherlock Holmes, referred to the police and the criminal gangs who are out to find in Fritz Lang's M. It's the child killer who will catch him first. Uh, here we've got a situation of will Mueller get to Trump first, or will this? Southern Manhattan, uh, sure. Michael Cohen investigation get to him first. Both are quite serious. Both are damning. Yeah. Uh, with the accumulation of data, uh, testimony, and uh, his response to how these things are occurring um, is certainly not that of an innocent man. Well, and it's interesting that, of course, as soon as Bolton, uh, John Bolton, takes uh, took over as national security advisor... His good friend Scooter Libby was given a full pardon by Donald Trump amidst the fog of war about the Syria attacks. It was sort of surreal being at my house planning on going to the 930 animation show up in Athens, same time as Ann Arbor, interestingly. 
they have a an entire show de- uh, devoted to animation. They showed about 14 movies. They had a big thing. Trump to announce. He's holding an announcement at 9 o'clock. And sure enough, just as I'm going out the door, I said, okay, well, I'll watch this for 10 minutes. <laughs> and uh, what, what more can you say about uh, Donald Trump and Syria? I mean, his explanations are shoddy at best. Um, I don't think that it's a bad idea to occasionally send a message about the use of chemical weapons, but the facts have to back you up. And I don't think it's a good idea, by the way, to collaborate with the elements that were involved in the Sykes-Picot Treaty indeed, of 1916-1917. Which begat the entire problem that is the Middle East with its artificial and colonially convenient boundaries and borders. Yeah, and of course Syria's got to be one of the all-time great historical messes involving great powers. You know, we're not talking here about Russia or Iran uh, alone. We're talking about Turkey, Saudi Arabia, Iraq has been involved. In fact, our counteroffensive in uh, northern Iraq and in northeastern Syria involving Raqqa. Uh, we utilized Kurdish factions and the Iraqi army. Uh, we sort of softened up things with our uh, air force. Obviously, there are no powers in the Middle East that can stop American uh, fighter planes. They can do what, what they wish. But the problem, of course, with all of these uh, war um, activities of the American government is that they don't solve the problem on the ground and that these are political problems that probably have been exacerbated by this hasty action. Um, It was my understanding that there were going to be actual investigations uh, into the veracity of the chemical weapons attack in Ghouta. the United States jumped the gun, so to speak, and the loaded gun may have exploded in our face. We'll never know, unfortunately, because now it's turned into a propaganda war with the uh, Russians. And the Russian interest in Syria is very different from either the Turks or the Iranians. How interesting that just a couple of weeks ago, Vladimir Putin... Donald Trump's little buddy in Moscow uh, held a a summit with Iran and Turkey. There are massive refugee problems. There have been 400,000 people killed, uh, leaving aside the uh, chemical weapons. Um, So the message that the United States sent I think is a very minimal one. And for Donald Trump to use the phrase mission accomplished. Dirt. (laughs) It went so well when W used it. I just was wondering where Brownie was. Yeah. Was he in the heck of a job all around? Well, I mean, curtains waiting for some uh, praise. Of course, the chemical weapons use is appalling. But the reality is that the deaths attributable to conventional weapons Today, for example, in the follow-up to the raid on Friday, uh, you know, raid in Cohen's office on Monday, raid in Syria on Friday, uh, that uh, Assad's forces are again shelling neighborhoods today with conventional weapons and dropping bombs from helicopters. So uh, it didn't really uh, matter much uh, that this strike was taken. The fact that it was so limited 
is in, I think, some ways maybe a little reassuring because the prospect of inadvertent uh, death or destruction to, say, Russian staff or personnel or even Iranians might have a very strong risk of pulling the U.S. into a broader and escalating general war in Syria between great powers. So I think the very limited nature of it speaks to some extent to uh, General Mattis's disinclination to give Trump the benefit of the doubt as stable genius, commander-in-chief. Yes, commander-in-chief. Uh, at least he's uh, avoided the uh, the claim of being the decider, but uh, that's upcoming. Stay tuned to future episodes of the Donald Trump presidency. Well, I'm just waiting for that Easter rabbit costumed fellow to uh, get the official cabinet or State Department appointment that uh, he so richly earned. Uh, one other thing on Syria real quickly is that this morning's New York Times as the article Trump to punish Russia for aiding attack by Syria, blaming the Russians for propping up the Assad regime and uh, turning a blind eye to the chemical weapons use. Uh, Nikki Haley was on the weekend chat shows talking about this is our policy, more sanctions on Russia. Just this afternoon, Trump announces, mm, no, I'm, I haven't decided yet about those sanctions. I wonder if he's getting little emails from, from his little buddy Putin about a video ready to download. That's right. Video ready to download. El dossier. <laughs> the dossier, and which uh, has still not been uh, officially repudiated as false. Uh, I don't think that Donald Trump can do it. Well, in fact, the developing news there is that there is apparently evidence in materials uh, confiscated from Cohen's office or apartment or wherever uh, that prove that he was in Prague. In twenty oh, Michael Cohen yeah. was in Prague, yeah, yeah. Which of course he's denied. That's part of the elaborate uh, machinations going on between him and Russian oligarchs to advance Trump's uh, business aims in in Russia. And of course, when Trump was in Russia, he probably was using the handle uh, Doctor David Dennison. <laughs> Open the pod doors, Hal. Uh, <clears throat> well, Dave, I I don't think I can do that. My performance will be much better in the future. <laughs> uh, that might be uh, something that Scott Pruitt is contemplating, remembering as a... Uh, and, of course, he's been one of the beneficiaries of the wacky week that just passed. Yeah, he, he sort, sort of, of dropped out of the news. He was disappeared uh, from the, the focus of uh, what was going on. And, oh, my stars, you know who's going to be one of the new focuses this week? Sean Hannity. Oh, great, yeah. He's emerges, back. Yeah, that emerges yeah. that uh, the very small, limited company uh, who claim Michael Cohen as legal representative is Elliot Brody, recently resigned in a, another sex payoff scandal. Uh, of course, Donald Trump and Sean Hannity. Fox News. So, think, think Fox News. Yeah. And, and so of course, as, uh, uh, Sean Hannity reports on that story and his... Uh, Outrage at how the president and Michael Cohen are being treated. Uh, the, those are his records and uh, voice recordings in that office, too. So that's going to get amusing. I well, it is. That. And I also think that it's important to realize, you know, at one point, Trump had some idiotic tweet about the uh, the uh, confidentiality between lawyer and client 
being violated. Right. Hey, look, there's some ambiguity about Michael Cohen. When was he a lawyer and when was he friend of Donald Trump? Um, free legal advice as a friend is that official legal advice. And just exactly how did the $130,000 payment work? Uh, was there a wink, wink, nudge, nudge there? Or did oh, they look. meet on a park bench? or A bag on the floor. Yeah. Oh. Well, there you go. And, of course, this uh, this whole uh, involvement of Sean Hannity's name is fascinating simply because uh, Fox News uh, throughout <laughs> the Trump presidential run were, uh, were dealing with their own uh, sex scandals, payoffs. Indeed, they were. Uh, buyout scandals, so to speak. Non-disclosure agreements. Real high ticket numbers, too. I mean, uh, goodness sakes. You know, Bill O'Reilly is still rumbling around. Angry at God. Complaining about lack of fairness. God (laughs) did this to me, he also said. (laughs) Well, I'm sure he's got the biblical angle uh, somewhere in the back of his mind. Uh, He'll be okay, though. He's got those those best-selling books out there uh, collecting royalties. Every day, every day. Well, I don't know. I think they're filling up a lot of remainder shelves at the moment. We'll see how it pans out. I don't, but I wonder if Trump is going to tweet this evening. Make sure you watch Hannity tonight, as he did last week, when he knew that Hannity was going to rip uh, into Comey and uh, and that book. Yeah, and of course, the book hadn't even been published. Basically, uh, excerpts had been leaked. And uh, nothing too surprising in any of the... uh, Not really at all. There's not much news there. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a couple of phrases that are are interesting. I think that uh, Comey making the distinction about uh, mentally unsound, not not physically, morally, as as he put it, he avoided the mentally unsound uh, uh, proposition and went to the morally unsound proposition. The chronology, of course, of all of these meetings involving obstruction of justice and Trump's uh, varying explanations for why Comey was fired um, are part of the real story. And mm-hmm. it's important to remember what the chronology really was as it relates to uh, the whole thing. And, and Comey, of course, is it's not, uh, you know, alley alley income free. He's got his own problems with his involvement with Hillary Clinton. It's rather strange to hear an FBI, uh, former FBI director. And by the way, they, they are subject to uh, immunity, more or less, from being fired by a president. Uh, there has to be just cause to fire Comey. Yeah. Well, that's why the term runs the length that yeah. it does to separate it from the political appointment process. Exactly. I mean, it's a 10-year term, and I think that there remain serious questions about the validity of firing Comey to begin with. Mm -hmm. Trump, of course, initially claimed in interviews that he did it because of the Russian investigation, which is amazing. (laughs) It's an amazing claim now that we we look back on that, uh, because that's completely false. But, of course, Comey's... uh, Involvement with press conferences in 2016 that affected the Hillary Clinton campaign can't just be swept under the rug. Trump said back in May of 2017 when he fired Comey that he was surprised by the ire of the Democrats. 
Um, yeah, I thought they'd love me for this. I thought they'd love me for this. Well, he didn't say that he fired uh, Comey for interfering in the... Well, they did have that letter that Rod Rosenstein uh, generated yeah. that said that, well, in addition to uh, some other things of inappropriate, what they deemed inappropriate behavior, although there's nothing substantive ever proved, the mishandling of the Hillary Clinton email thing was said to be part of the cause. Right. And of course, ru- ru- like anybody thought Trump really gave a, a a hoot and a basket about that. Right. Because he's been denouncing and claiming that he won the popular vote, that uh, there was voter fraud out there. Two point nine million votes, apparently. <laughs> he hasn't even come up with twenty nine in the states, by the way, where they found uh, voter fraud like Kansas. I remember Chris Kobach and the. Uh, Electoral uh, Voter Fraud Commission that apparently met twice, if at all. There's some ambiguity about that. It was sort of dissolved due to lack of interest. and There was no there there. <laughs> the voters' uh, frauds that they found in the state of Kansas totaled five, and apparently four of them were Donald Trump voters who voted in Kansas and in other states mm-hmm. like Colorado and uh, I think one might have involved New Mexico. Uh, so even that uh, canard has not been able to stand any scrutiny over time. Uh, so I think that Comey's book is a is is an interesting sideshow, and I don't think it's at the end of the day going to be all that important. I don't think there are any brand new revelations out there, stuff that we don't know. But of course, well, the scene, the that's... meeting, the meeting with the. You know, the Godfather uh, references, I think, is quite interesting. Well, and also the scenario that is detailed wherein Comey and other intelligence directors, four of them in total, met at Trump Tower with the uh, incoming team. And that's when they make the announcement about, well, we are quite convinced that there was Russian interference and that nobody in the Trump organization uh, at this meeting being run by Reince Priebus had any follow-up questions about, well, what should we do, or how do you know, or uh, what might they do next? Uh, But it immediately, discussion turned as though the intelligence uh, agency heads were not even in the room. How do we spin this? How do we explain this? How do we make this look good? Um, That's... I think a very revelatory moment. Yeah, and and another very significant part of this obstruction of justice uh, allegation against President Trump uh, concerns the firing of Sally Yates. Mm-hmm. Let's recall that she warned uh, Donald Trump very early in his presidency, like literally, you know, within the first days, two that days he, in, I think, yeah. that occupied the White House, that uh, Michael Flynn was. Uh, under investigation, and uh, that he may want to reconsider. The national security advisor, by the way, is uh, is not a, a, a nomination that goes through the Senate process. So John Bolton, amazing. He's next to Trump in the first cabinet meeting after yeah. John Bolton joins the cabinet, so well, to one speak. One White House aide. With a big white mustache. One White House half aide the was... Quoted in the Sunday Times as having said that Bolton is Trump's uh, new bright, shiny object. Yes. (laughs) 
Either that or he he doubles as a hairpiece mm. <laughs> at night uh, on top of Trump's uh, mop. Uh, the the white mustache gives him elan. <laughs> He's oh so sexy. He looks like a statesman now. Looks like a statesman now. But how interesting, of course, that within a week of Michael Bolton taking over, we're we're hitting Syria with tomahawk missiles and sending messages in the Middle East. When, of course, the whole Syrian war is so confusing. There's so many factions, so many problems connected to refugees, as if Donald Trump cares about refugees or civilians. Uh, what was the number that they produced? Eleven this year. Jordan has taken in a million, not well-equipped to do so. Yeah. Lebanon has taken in a million. Syria has dealt with two million. And, of course, many are scattered throughout Europe. Part of the refugee crisis involving Syria is a almost hidden agenda by Mr. Putin. Uh, Putin, let's not fool ourselves either here about Assad uh, being actually a, a puppet of Putin. Putin is interested in one thing mainly, and those are his military bases. The naval base and the Air Force base are the only military assets that Russia has that are on the Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. So this is strategic stuff. This goes back to Joseph Stalin and real politic, the balance of power. And the real issues of the Middle East. Uh, what's interesting, of course, is that Saudi Arabia seems once again to be holding the short stick. They have supported uh, radical opponents of uh, Assad uh, who are on the losing end of the whole, the whole thing. Despite the Crown Prince's whirlwind American culture charm tour. Which, of course, ends up with massive uh, military sales by the mm -hmm. American uh, military-industrial complex uh, to um, various uh, um, powers in the Middle East. But it's interesting how the relationship with Saudi Arabia has been evolving um, in, in recent years. Uh, the Saudis used to be sort of the vanguard of the movement to, to help the Palestinians many decades ago, but they seem to be kind of easing out of that role. Uh, they're trying to modernize. Uh, don't be fooled with a with the way the Western media has been fooled, like saying, okay, they're letting women drive. This is really radical reform. You know, it's the 21st century. It's like, OK, uh, they can drive in some cases. But that's it. But that's it. That's the end of our reform. You can't go shopping by yourself, lady. And of course, it, you know, it's it's an American uh, culture, cultural icon, the, the automobile and the freedom to drive and all that. Bully, bully, bully. But uh what is Prince Salman really up to? And let's remember, by the way, that this uh, this interesting art auction that mm. took place around November of last year. Uh, what was it? The Salvador Mundi painting, the Le the Leonardo da Vinci painting. Yes. Suddenly, the the prices of these auction paintings went from like 190 million to 400 million. Who owned the the Mundi? An oligarch that paid, overpaid, big time 
for a piece of real estate that Donald Trump owned down in southern Florida. Now, what are the Saudis doing overpaying for a painting? Hmm. These are overlapping favors. Looks like money laundering to me. Looks like one way of getting uh, some quid pro quos. Uh, Done perfectly legally, of course. That's what they can claim. And it's a beautiful painting. It really is. (laughs) It's it's a beautiful painting. (laughs) It's worth every penny. It's almost as good as the Mona Lisa, but not quite. Of course, the Mona Lisa is not for sale. Uh, that sits heavily guarded in Le Louvre in Gay Paris and is occasionally loaned out, but under very uh, Well, whatever Jared Kushner needs to do to swing the Middle East miracle deal, yeah. if he needs the Mona Lisa, I'm sure he'll have a crack at it. Arm sales never hurt. Uh, we'd like to remind you that you are listening to WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Uh, Do stay tuned. Yazoo City Calling will be coming up next uh, shortly. And, uh, well, what what else caught your eye this week? Well, the remarkable admission of failure by Speaker of the House, Paul Ryan. Oh, yes. We forgot about him. Remarkable. And he (laughs) is most forgettable. I think he's maybe the the weakest and worst Speaker of the House, certainly in recent memory. Yeah. I mean, to actually say, as he did in his official, it's funny because I personally, as an American citizen, crafted a letter to the Speaker of the House, which I submitted via his online website, uh, urging him uh, to get on board the uh, Tillis and Coons uh, bipartisan act to offer some sort of uh, legislative protection for the special counsel's project. Sure. To keep Mueller from getting fired through the chain of command. Through uh, some sort of a Saturday night massacre. Exactly. Because it's quite clear that Rosenstein is not going to do this. Precisely. Uh, so I send that email in to the Speaker of the House Tuesday night, I think, Wednesday morning. He announces he's retiring. He's not going to run for re-election. I think we have a cause and effect here. <laughs> I felt... <laughs> Well, huh? Uh, you know, I obviously he doesn't read these emails. Some staffer sorts them all out, and he probably never looks at them. Uh, the whole website is itself interesting, but I, we don't have the time to talk about how weird the speaker's website is. How it forces you to structure uh, the, your topic heading and so forth. Was Eddie Munster his role model? <laughs> he's always looked like From Eddie the Munster hair standpoint, but he's never been the real deal. He was not a budget guru. His cuts were more costly than the savings that they purported to generate. Sure. Um, and to say as he did in his uh, announcement that, well, no Speaker of the House maybe since Tip O'Neill has been able to leave on his own terms. Are you kidding me? Tip O'Neill used that office like a bludgeon. Uh, he knew the power of the position of sure. the Speaker of the House and used it. Uh, not always successfully, not always in the way that you might have hoped, but certainly he used it. Um, but Ryan one, has been flaccid and weak. Well, one thing about Tip O'Neill, and I do agree that he really was the last great speaker, because we've just had a series of morons in that position since. Duds, morons and duds. Uh, never mind Denny Hastert, uh, who's languishing in a uh, prison cell somewhere. <laughs> believe it or not, uh, for uh, activity not related to his speakership. 
Paul Ryan was, a quote, of course, a reluctant speaker. John Boehner made news this week, of oh, course. Oh, yeah. I'm, uh, <laughs> I've seen the light. He's the previous speaker who claimed that he was resigning because, to paraphrase what he said in his resignation, 